Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I just resigned to the fact that I'm not going to survive. I am going to die because I have these friends all around me who are catching AIDS and they, people didn't know how it was being contracted. And so I think that it was just like, well, I'm just going to live it up because why plan for retirement when there is no future for me? And I think that those, that mindset was maybe still like that muscle memory is still so ingrained in some of the older generation of gay men. And unfortunately, you know, that might be the model that's being put out there for younger LGBT plus folks too. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance. 
so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Hello, money talkers. Welcome to the second and equally as awesome episode with our new podcast name. I really hope you're enjoying this fresh new change. You know, mastering money, building wealth, getting ahead, they can be hard enough even in the best circumstances. But the truth is we have seen discrimination be a factor in all sorts of money goals, like getting loans for a house or even bank accounts when it comes to people of color and the LGBTQ community. Our guest on this episode, Jeff Underwood, is, as he says, our wisecracking gay best friend whose blog, Homo Money, is a fun and sassy personal finance site for the LGBTQ community. Jeff is sharing his super unique story about coming out of the closet, personally and financially, and going from $10,000 in credit card debt to $800,000 in net worth. We talk about Jeff's money story, his money transformation, the money discrimination that still exists in the LGBTQ community, and loads of money tips to find money in your bank account so that you can start paying off debt, start investing, and start building wealth. All right, let's start talking. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we have to start here. So you, you like to consider yourself your wisecracking gay best friend who would cut it up with you over a boozy brunch, but instead of us talking about gossip, we're obviously going to be talking about money, which I love, by the way. <laughs> so tell us, like, what money topics are we going to be dishing about on, on this boozy brunch that we're having right now? I mean, neither one of us have booze, but, you know, we're, we're going to brunch in, in a, a certain sense of the word. Yeah, I just had a brunch sans booze uh, with some friends last weekend. And uh, we talked about crypto and annuities. And so it was like two opposite ends of the spectrum for money. <laughs> Very interesting. Those are uh, two hot topics. Definitely the crypto is definitely a hot topic on everybody's mind right now, right? Everybody has their own sort of uh, thought pattern of whether they like crypto, they not, they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And you know, if if you want, we can go in depth a little bit. I After losing everything um, in the 2008 housing crash, it's really given me a lot more of uh, taking calculated risks, a lot more of um, a conservative approach where I don't think that I'm as likely to just jump all into anything until I've done some research and I've heard from different people from different walks of life and and now I'm at the point where I like to just immerse myself in a subject. And um, after I hear common threads between multiple people, then I'll start to feel like, okay, there's some truth here that I can rely on and right. kind of like triangulating that data from multiple sources. And it's like, all right, whatever lands in the middle, I feel like I can trust that. Right. And I think it's great to be able to have conversations about these topics, even if you don't agree with someone else, or maybe you have a different point of view. It's just the act of being able to talk about money in this way that I think is very healthy. Yeah, it's almost like it it takes that fear factor out because any kind of lifestyle change, even if it's a good thing, like getting a new job um, or retiring, it can be so scary and stressful for people because of that fear of the unknown. So right. I think that when when people take away that stigma that money is a taboo subject, I think then it helps people not feel so afraid of it and kind of gives them the power back that they can make some decisions that can be positive in their lives. 
And another thing that I really like about you is you're very open to talk about money mistakes and your own story and things that have happened. And I'm always on this show talking about how important it is to share our stories and share the muck and the stuff that isn't so great. I know you had some setbacks with some credit card debt and you were able to get out of that and now really grow your net worth over the last decade or so. Uh, I know you also have a really unique story about coming out of the closet, both professionally and personally, financially, all the way around. I, I would love for you to just take us on this journey. Tell us tell us about this. Sure, yeah. Um, I know that you have a pretty wide-reaching audience that's not just LB- LGBT plus folks, and I, but I think that that story might resonate with some people, um, no matter where they come from in their walk of life. Because I was thinking about this the other day, um, coming out of the closet, personally, professionally, um, it's it's like you have to take a stand for who you are and what you believe in, and that takes courage because you're it's like you're charting your own course and you're you're exposing yourself, you're making yourself vulnerable. And, and so that's why I wanted to blog about how like, okay, I've already come out of the closet personally and professionally, but now I'm choosing to do it financially. And that could open me up to different criticisms of people saying, oh, he's just flexing. He's wanting to brag about his, you know, his situation or whatever. But I think that's why I try to be really conscious of um, infusing it with a lot of the mistakes that I've made. So it doesn't seem that way and, and braggy. And so, yeah, like to, to back up to childhood, I grew up in the Midwest and it wasn't really an option to come out of the closet. And Funny enough, um, I think everybody else knew I was gay before I did <laughs> because uh, I think I was around 10 years old when um, the song Vogue came out. Sure, Shout out to Madonna. Yes. Yeah. And so just like any gay kid at the time, I think that I was just like so enamored with that song and the video and the choreography. And there would be kids on the school bus who would say, Jeff, do Vogue, do Vogue. <laughs> So I would like go through and sing the whole song with the choreography, having no idea that I was just making this like spectacle of myself and everybody was thinking, oh, look at that kid. He's so gay. Um, And so like I just figured I was just so like, well, this is me. This is and they appreciate me for who I am. And um, it wasn't until I hit uh, junior high that I think, you know, once the hormones start hitting and puberty and everything, that's when you start realizing like, okay, well, when people are hanging out, it's kind of like men and women, boys and girls, the opposite sex are hanging out. And if you're not doing those same things, there's something that's wrong with you. Right. And and so I didn't have any kind of role models um, growing up that showed me that, you know, to be a, a gay man was not something to be ashamed of. And I would say, uh, in high school, I went to a, a math and science academy that was about five hours away by Chicago. Um, luckily, I had a professor who he kind of recognized in me that something was a little different um, from my classmates. And so he reached out to me and he was like, Jeff, is there anything you want to talk about? And he confided in me that he was actually, even though he's married uh, with kids, that he's actually bisexual. And so he was like, the first person I'd ever met wow. was like, oh, well, so there can be someone who, you know, is a 
professor who is respected, who um, doesn't fit every stereotypical check in the box. And so maybe that means I can be gay and I don't have to f- check every box that is all those right. stereotypes. So um, yeah, a- after that, after having just that one role model, which I think that's what's really powerful about this format of what you're doing is like every single person you interview is coming from a different walk of life. And that unique walk that they've gone through, that might resonate with somebody who's listening to be that one role model that then could set the course of them like liberating themselves from whatever kind of fear or shame is holding them back. And so for me, it was that that professor, that English professor in high school. So I felt the courage that before I um, left for college, I went to film school in L.A., And before I left the Midwest to go do that, I came out to my two closest friends and I came out to my mom and I wanted them to know this is who I am. And it's not just like that going out to California, it changed me because I already know this is who I am. And so um, that was that was pretty scary. Uh, But then when I was in college, I I got a ROTC scholarship. So then I had to juggle like going back in the closet of like, well, now I have the Navy's don't ask, don't tell policy. And I had to have this double life going on. So, all right, I'm going to have to like be straight, you know, when I'm in uniform and when I'm around certain people and be careful about who I'm talking to and what personal information I'm revealing about myself. But at least when I'm not around the ROTC unit or those classmates, at least in my free time at night, I can go out to gay bars, I can make friends, at least then I get a little bit of a uh, respite from all of that stress. And so then after graduating college, then it was like, I was just thrown 100% into Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And uh, I was in for six years. And the first four years was um, active duty on like sea duty, where you're on sure. a ship. And man, that like living on a ship is like so all consuming, Shanna. Right. It is like you don't have any kind of work life separation. And so like everybody's up in your business. They're all like, you know, there's nothing else to do but kind of chit chat and gossip. And so people will ask you lots of questions about, so what do you do for fun? What bars do you like to go to? Are you dating anybody? what type of girls are you into? And it was like, they would ask me these questions that could have been innocent, but it really felt like I was being interrogated. And they were just like poking me with a stick to just see like, Mm. how much can they make me uncomfortable without actually asking? um, Because they knew that I couldn't tell. So that I think speaks to just how you know, even though the don't ask, don't tell policy had good intentions and maybe it was an improvement from what we had before, you know, if there's other, if there's states right now that think, oh, well, we should just go back to a don't ask, don't tell type policy. Well, I can tell you that is an extremely stressful way to live for anybody who's kind of put under that. And it was like, you know, serving my country um, was one thing. um, And that's, that's stressful kind of putting your life on the line having to be away from friends and family out on deployments, that's stressful. Having to learn your job is stressful. I was going through these um, emergency quarters drills where, you know, we had to pretend like the whole ship was going down. That's stressful. But honestly, like, I think the most stressful thing, Shauna, is like 
this psychological warfare of I needed to always be vigilant, always be careful about what I was saying and not reveal that I was gay. Because if somebody found out unintentionally, that could mean that that hundred thousand plus dollars in um, my scholarship for my undergrad degree, like I could have to pay all that back and then get a dishonorable discharge. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine having to experience all of that and what it must feel like to not be able to be your authentic self and how that must bleed over to every other area of your life. I mean, obviously we're talking about money as well. I could see how it just be really tough to make money decisions to, I don't know, just even feel any sense of rooting in your life. Oh yeah. I was not mentally, I did not have a clear enough mental headspace to really look into or maximize the TSP. That's the military and the government's version of a 401k. I, I think I may have set up like the bare minimum at, at the beginning of my career, but I never went back to max that out or to have conversations about that. And so, you know, that might speak to just the, the mental stress that people might have who are living paycheck to paycheck and they're under a lot of stress, how kind of talking about how to just optimize their finances, how that is, they're not really in the right headspace yet. They have to kind of follow that Maslow's hierarchy of needs and kind of take care of that, you know, security first before they can move on to that. So I I can relate to that. Well, you share all of your wisdom under, under your name of your blog, homo money. And you go on to say that for one, you're taking back the word homo that you know, it's something that has been used as a definitely derogatory negative word for such a long time. Tell us about this, this reframe. And I know you have this great acronym that you use on your blog. And then how you're working to really change money for the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, so thanks for asking. This whole thing came about um, because of uh, was inspired by RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, so, so you're a fan. That's awesome. So, you know, one of the things that, um, that RuPaul has done is take back ownership of a word that is meant to put people down and kind of um, a derogative word that now they use it as a source of strength. And they'll say to the, the drag queen contestants, you know, girl, you need to channel your charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. And I'm not going to tell you what that spells. I'm just going to say that's what she says. <laughs> we'll have to like carefully pause the episode out of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So feel free to cut out parts of that if needed. So in the same vein of that, I was thinking like, it's always irked me when people will say like, oh, that's so gay as a way of meaning like, oh, well, that's mm. inherently wrong or messed up. Like, are you saying that I'm inherently wrong or messed up? Right. And then like the whole no homo thing is like come on, man, like, why do you, why do you really care that much if somebody, if, if, if somebody thinks you might be gay or why would they think that this one thing that you said now all of a sudden you're gay? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to say yes, homo. And homo is going to be something positive because I'm really proud that I've been able to pull myself out of debt after losing everything. And over the course of like 12 years, you know, I'm, I'm on track to hit a millionaire status. And I think that can kind of encapsulate my journey. So I I made HOMO um, my acronym for Hustle, Own, Money, Opulence. And those first two words are verbs 
because hustle and own is like, you know, you need to hustle to figure out how to make more and save more money. You need to own a mindset of like, I'm going to take ownership of my financial future. I'm not going to just rely on somebody else to tell me what to do and, and pay a management fee for that. Um, and so that's an active thing that you need to do. And, and also kind of taking on this winner's mindset of like, um, I have a growth mindset. I'm going to be looking for solutions. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, to take ownership of my future. And so those are active verbs because I think that that's kind of at that point where you need to take active steps. And then the last two words, money and opulence, those are nouns. So to me, that's kind of like after you've reached the apex of the hill and then you're at coast five, like I'm at now, um, which we can talk about later. And so then at that point, you're just kind of making small pivots. So money, any blog post I make that's tagged the money category is just like, okay, if you have all these different options of where to invest extra money, then would you do option A or B? What's the better thing between A or B? Um, and, and I use that word better very sparingly too, because I know better is different for everyone. So right. I always try to just write from the perspective of this is what I'm doing. This is what works for me. Just take this as one data point in your own journey, but please ask around and continue your education. And, uh, opulence, the last stage, that's like, all right, well, now you've arrived, you've reached FI or financial independence. And so how are you going to enjoy that life? And so I, I don't have as many posts about that since I'm not there yet, but there are some things that I've thought about um, that I've kind of like done uh, thought exercises on, like, what would I want my life to look like? And how would I want to live in retirement with something like a commune of close friends instead of a retirement home when I get to later stages of life? And so, yeah, those are those are the uh, the four stages of my homo lifestyle. I, as you're telling this story, it makes me think about uh, when I was younger. I've always been an athlete myself, and uh, I grew up for a little little bit in Texas. And they're very into athletics in Texas. And mm -hmm. um, we used to have these things called field days, where you would be a certain color and your team would be a certain color and then you would compete in these all sorts of crazy, you know, exercise things, climbing ropes, running, all sorts of things. And numerous times I would have my teacher say to me, you know, Shauna, you need to slow down because you cannot outrace the men. You can't beat the boys. You have to purposely lose. And I would be so confused and I would come home and say to my mom, like, I don't understand, but I can beat the boys. Like, isn't that the point of this? Like, you know, what is going on? And so I just think it's interesting in society how we have all these, I don't know, stereotypes, norms, cultural things that are passed down that just are ridiculous, but they put us in these boxes that, you know, label us as, you know, not right or um, we're not, you know, we're not doing life the way you're supposed to categorically do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because um, when I was growing up, I, I don't know if it was the same way for you, Shauna, but it seemed like a message that we, that I was told a lot as a kid was, you know, just be yourself, just be right. you. And I was like, but are we really supposed to just be ourselves if there's these things that we're expected to adhere to? <laughs> Right, exactly. Like it somehow it just is like it doesn't add up. <laughs> 
And and thinking about that, like we've seen also discrimination be a factor in all sorts of money, money goals, money tasks, things from like getting loans to buying houses to even bank accounts. Specifically, when it comes to people of color, I, I'm curious how much discrimination is maybe a, a gay couple or a single gay person. How much are they experiencing when it comes to money? Is is that happening as well? Yes. Yeah, so. Um I have read up on this. Uh, the, my friends at the Debt Free Guys, they helped inspire a uh, 2018 uh, experience study that uh, reported on the spending habits of my community. And uh, they found that compared to the general population, LGBT plus folks, they reported 6% more often that they have uh, both bad spending habits and also that they struggled to maintain savings. And so, uh, oh, that study also found that um, that the younger that a LGBT person is, the the more likely that they reported that they feel financially out of control. Mm. And and the survey, I, I checked the the bottom of the article, and it said that the sample size was 500 LGBT people and 500 uh, people from the general population who took the online survey. So it's a pretty big sample size that I think makes it you know worth paying attention to. Right. Yeah. And kind of piggybacking on that, you did an interview, a great interview for a Queer Money podcast. Mm, and you. you shared that um, just how few podcast interviews have been with members of, of your community. And of those of those people that have been on shows, largely a lot of them have not reached financial independence, whatever that word means to each of us. And then you said that uh, of those LGBT people who have gotten their financial shit together, most of them are lesbians, which is mm. very interesting, raises the question, <laughs> like, what what's going on in, in your community in terms of money? So I, uh, I was talking to one of my, my friends who's a lesbian last night and just asking her, like, is this still accurate? Or I want to make sure I don't talk about this if I'm using some antiquated paradigm right. that doesn't exist anymore. And so she was like, yep, that's still, that's pretty much how it is. So here's the thing. Um, lesbians are more pragmatic than gay men. They're more like accustomed to like adulting and doing the responsible thing. And then gay men are more like, uh, I don't know if it's like Peter Pan syndrome, but they're more like, you know, the whole YOLO thing. Right. And there's a, there's a joke about, um, they say, what is the ideal second date for two lesbians who just met? Have you heard this before? <laughs> no, do tell. <laughs> they rent a U-Haul <laughs> because you need to get a U-Haul because they're going to move in together. So they're kind of like shopping for the best <laughs> U-Haul. <laughs> and so they're just like, they're naturally wired to like want to have that like safety and security and relationship oriented. And so, uh, so I think then gay men by the, the opposite side of the spectrum you know, there was a, a great book by a psychologist called The Velvet Rage. And oh, yeah. Oh, so you're familiar with that yes, one? Yes, I am. Yeah. And so like Velvet Rage says that um, we are all as gay men, we're all overcompensating for our inherent shame of growing up in a straight man's world. And so that manifests itself in all different kinds of ways. It could be that, well, we need to have the perfect body. We need to have the perfect wardrobe, the perfect house, a perfect career. And so we tend to go a little extra in those different categories and feel like it's not just keeping up with the Joneses, but it's almost like you need to be better than the Joneses to feel more worthy and to kind of 
try to deal with that shame that you still haven't resolved. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, shame is a, is a, is a tricky thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, for me, um, my, oh, and there's, yeah, there was another thing I wanted to mention about that. I graduated high school in 1997. Um, so my experience of gay life, it, it really started when I went out to California and I was in LA. So being in a big city for college, um, I was able to start going to like 18 and over bars and meeting people online. I think that they just started online websites, if you right. can believe that, for like <laughs> gay.com. Um, and so I have older gay friends who, even like a decade older, who tell me about how like living through the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, um, I think that that might help get to the root of why gay men are also maybe a little bit more in that YOLO mindset because like I've had people say like, I just resigned to the fact that I'm not going to survive. I'm going to die because I have these friends all around me who are catching AIDS and they, people didn't know how it was being contracted. And so I think that it was just like, well, I'm just going to live it up because why plan for retirement when there is no future for me? And I think that those that mindset was maybe still like that muscle memory is still so ingrained in some of the older generation of gay men. And unfortunately, you know, that might be the model that's being put out there for younger LGBT plus folks too. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all in one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information 
is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. So thinking about that, 
if, if I'm listening right now, how do LGBTQ plus listeners, how do they need to set up their money so that they can get their financial shit together? So I came up with an acronym that might be easy for some of the, some of my gays out there to remember because we love Anderson Cooper. <laughs> and it's, we love acronyms, right? I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> so it's A squared, C squared for Anderson Cooper. Um, that's assimilate, automate, congregate, celebrate. And so to get your financial shit in order, first you need to assimilate by just absorbing as much different information as you can so that you're not going off of this one outlier piece of information of somebody who's giving you some bad financial advice. But if you're being exposed to it from multiple sources, listening to podcasts like yours, Shauna, listening to others, um, not just getting your news from one news outlet, I think you're going to be in a lot better shape. And, and so that's the assimilate part. Cause then after a while, at least from my experience, I found that then I start seeing those common threads and then I start, it's, it goes from the point of just being knowledge, which is just like information that you're, um, that you've been exposed to. It kind of then translates to more wisdom where it's like, okay, I feel like I, I take this not as like some information that may or may not be true. I feel more confident that this is like a core truth and that I can act on this with confidence. Right. And, and so then I can take that next step of, you know, taking action and then having lived experience with that information. But it really starts with the assimilate because if you assimilate with multiple kind of sources, then you'll naturally, I think, get that confidence to, to move forward. And then when you do move forward, then that's when you'll go into automate. And one of my favorite, maybe the favorite book I've ever read is The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. And he walks through, you know, different ways that you can automate your finances to just kind of set it and forget it. And it really like, that was like, um, it really clicked with me that, okay, I just have to spend a little bit of time setting up this system one time and then it's done. And then I can just kind of focus on other things. And, uh, there's, there's so much value in that too, where like, then you can start dollar cost averaging and then your returns end up being better because you're not going to be subject to making erratic emotional decisions and kind of trying to beat the market when people never do. Right. And so, so that's assimilate, automate. Then third is congregate. So you'll get your shit together by having a network of like-minded friends and mentors who, you know, they will kind of continue giving you new ideas and you'll be able to share things with each other because it's really important that you have people in your life who they, they are like wanting you to win. And, you know, during COVID I had, I had a couple friends in particular that I noticed a pattern with them that it was like, I would share good news with them. They would say, what's going on, Jeff? I'd say, Oh my God, it's some, I just got some amazing news. I just went into escrow for a multifamily property. And I was talking to this organizer of a TEDx event and he said, I'm going to be able to get on the speaker lineup. And then they were just like, Oh, and then they turned away from me and went back to their conversation that they were having. I was like, what the <laughs> heck? Right. I cannot believe this. And these people, they are informed enough to know what TED talks is, but I asked them about it later. And I was like, 
you know, you guys have like really uh, hurt my feelings multiple times. And this is one time in particular. And then they were all like trying to brush it off. Like, oh, well, you didn't close escrow. So that wasn't really something to celebrate yet. And what is TED Talks? We haven't heard of that before. And I was like, you guys are so lame. I'm trying to like talk through this and you're just like not taking ownership for it. So like that was a real clear cut sign for me. All right. Even though I don't have a lot of people in my COVID bubble, because we had to be so careful who we exposed ourselves to, I know what I don't want and I don't want that. And so I would rather go it alone and just have less friends for a period of time until I can build my network and have better friendships. And so that, that happened during COVID. That was like one of the good things for me that came out of COVID is that hardship. And so now I, I really appreciate when I go to a live event uh, where I meet other people from the FI community to congregate with them. And, and I don't have to apologize that, you know, I want something better for myself and I want to, you know, put in the work and have the delayed gratification to have a better life and a more hopeful future. And, and so then that leads to the fourth C, the fourth word, uh, which is celebrate. I think when you have congregated with these people who are like-minded, they're naturally going to celebrate your wins and yeah. you're not going to have to ask permission to, Hey, could you, could you be happy for me? Cause it's like, you really shouldn't have to <laughs> ask for people who are in your corner to actually be happy for you. I agree. Well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shana. I'm so glad to be connected with you after listening to you for so long. Well, you're also part of the the fire movement, and I know you're. Is it Cost Fi, Coast Fi, Coast Fi, Coast Fi? Okay, make sure I'm getting it right. And set to retire at uh, at 55. So, for those listening who are new to this whole idea of fire movement, break this down for us. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Coast Fi is when your um, investments essentially have hit this uh, tipping point. And so you could essentially stop contributing to your investments at that point. And the compound interest, it's growing faster than you could, than you're actually able to contribute every year. And so at that point, you know, then people just figure out, well, how long is it going to take until I hit my FI number where then I can live off of 4% of that balance. And so I'm at that point now where, um, for a couple reasons, one is that my, my net worth is growing faster every year than I'm able to contribute to it. And then the other thing is um, I have a government job and we have like a trade-off with government jobs where you aren't able to make as much with a lot of jobs as you could in the, the private sector. Right. But, but then there's the benefit of that is that, well, then it's one of the few places that still has a pension, at least the federal pension that I know state pensions are still, you know, some of those are a little dicey. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, 55 is when I will be able to the earliest I can retire. And based on our benefits statement, my my 401k balance is going to hit one and a half million at 55. And so using the rule of 25, I know that my my living expenses are 60,000 a year. So that times 25 is one and a half million. And so just just kind of knowing that information about what my portfolio is at, what it's predicted to grow to, it really gave me a sense of relief. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to be okay. And 
if I wanted to allow that portfolio to keep growing at that exponential rate, which happens later um, close when you're closer to retirement, I could probably make this work where I don't touch it for at least five years. And then I just live off of things like my, my pension and any other investments that I have. And so that's, that's why I finally feel like, okay, I'm at that coast five level. And if, if I could, I have an analogy for, for this whole thing of like, I think some people who aren't doing retirement planning, I think that they are thinking about retirement in the wrong way. And I, I call it like the playground versus the train analogy. If I could share that. Let's see. Um, hey, we're, we're here for all the acronyms, analogies, <laughs> all of it. Okay. So I think when people don't plan for retirement, I think that they're picturing it like they are a kid in school, they're stuck in class, and they just want to get out and wait for recess to hit. And then when it's recess, all right, well, then I can have fun. Then my life is going to be great. But it's like, well... When you get out onto that recess yard, um, is there going to be any playground equipment there for you to play with? Is that grass going to have died? Have you been taking the time to nurture it, to plant the seeds and water it so that you actually have a nice place to enjoy? And so you can't just expect that when you hit a certain date or when you hit a certain number, that retirement's just going to take care of itself. And so a better paradigm that I like to use is a train. And so you have this big train on a track and if you're trying to push that train from behind, it's going to like, it is not going to want to move. It's going to seem like you're putting in all this effort and you're pushing and pushing and nothing is happening. And so then, you know, after a while, you know, maybe you get some help from some bigger, stronger people, some advice or whatever to get a little bit of movement with that. I've also heard it called a flywheel. So you start getting that train to move just a little bit. Now, before you know it, it picks up even more momentum. It's moving a little faster, a little faster, a little faster. Eventually, it's moving at the same pace that you can be walking, which is kind of like Coast Fi. And then ideally, you know, you're pushing that and it's already got so much momentum already built up on it. Now you don't have to be pushing that train. Now you can hop on that train. You can just ride it without any kind of effort anymore. And so it's like your working years that's your time to like when you're young and healthy, that's your time to push that train. And so instead of thinking, oh, I've got I've got 10 years until retirement until I can just live life. Well, that's kind of a playground mentality. You don't know that that's going to be a great recess if you haven't planned for it. You really should be thinking, what can I do to make the best use of these 10 years to push that train so that it's got some nice momentum when I hop on in 10 years? I love that analogy because a topic I'm personally very fascinated is around is uh, money mindset and how our mindset impacts the decisions we make or don't make. And that has a whole ripple effect. Um, even just that analogy of thinking about how you're thinking about your money, right? That That's a mindset piece. What sort of advice would you give to listeners? Because you have such an interesting story. You've been up, you've been down just like all the rest of us, like how have you been able to keep your mindset around money really focused on on your goal? Like what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe struggling with that? I would say that you need to really celebrate the little wins. And if you are just looking at one isolated expense, like let's say it's cutting your cable bill or 
let's say it's, uh, you know, we have a toll road that I could take to go to work. And that toll road is like $2.50 each time that you, you use it. Um, if you just look at one isolated expense and you're like, oh, you know what? It's just $2.50. Uh, my cable bill, it's just 30 bucks a month. Um, I know this is going to be controversial. If you say Starbucks, it's just $5 a day. All right. Yes, that's just one thing. But really, if you can be mindful about like, what are the things that I'm actually enjoying? What actually enhances my life? Some people swear by Starbucks. It's like that enhances my life so much that I would rather focus on other things. Um, I would just say, be very careful that you're not using that as an excuse to not take a harder look at the bigger categories. Because I have a feeling that if somebody's not willing to examine like, well, could I make my coffee at home half the time? If they're not willing to do that, then they might not be willing to take bigger changes like, you know, buying a used car, um, moving into an apartment that has roommates so that they can reduce their cost of living. Like, yes, those other categories are going to save you a lot more and make a bigger, um, bigger impact on growing the gap. But I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know that people can just make this huge change, this huge lifestyle change right off the bat. I think that it's like, you need to be willing to make small changes first, and then to know how that small change is going to create this compound effect over time to then say, okay, I know that this one change is going to do it. So now I'm willing to look at the other things. And I have a, I have a blog post called um, Financial Hygiene 101 that has my um, Excel spreadsheet that I like to use where I, I have one column that's like, this is my current state. And then I have another column where I'll copy and paste it. And then it's like, this is my future state. This is what I want to ideally create for myself. And what's really worked well for that kind of system for me is like, okay, maybe I use the toll road half as much, or maybe I cut out the toll road altogether because it's like two fifty each way, but that's $5 a day going and coming from work. So, you know, that's almost like doubling my gas bill. So let's cut that out. All right. Well, that's $5 a day, 20, 20 days a month. That's $100. So then maybe for that line item, I go from current state $100 to future state. Now that's $0. And then the my spreadsheet is kind of designed to automatically do like the auto sum. So like here's your auto sum of all your expenses, but then also here's the auto sum of this is what your cash flow is. So you can kind of like grow that gap of your income and your expenses and so if you look at just, well, what's that? If, you, if you're only looking at like, oh, it's just $5 for Starbucks, or it's just $5 to use this toll road today, you're missing the point of like what that could look like if you're aggregating multiple things. And so my spreadsheet will take, and I, I'm not trying to push like, you need to download my spreadsheet. But my the reason why I like it is um, that it'll kind of auto, auto summit to say, all right, you saved a hundred dollars here. Um, and then let's, uh, let's save on this other expense here. Let's, let's see about maybe, uh, cutting this, uh, streaming service because I'm not using it anymore. So if I cut that out, well, that's another $20 a month. And then I'll go to, um, maybe my gas budget. Okay. I think that my work might be willing to allow for me to telework half the time. That's something I just started doing and I love it. 
So now instead of spending, let's say, $250 to $300 a month, maybe more now with gas going up, instead of spending $300 a month, well, that would probably cut my gas bill in half. So, all right, so now I can take that line item from $300 a month to $150 a month. And before you know it, Shauna, it's like all these little things that didn't seem like it's a drop, it's just a drop in the bucket, like all of that adds up. And it's almost like every time I do it and I, I do a little bit of hygiene of like, okay, I haven't looked at my expenses in a while. It's been six months. It's been a year. It's like, I'm, I'm amazed that I'm always able to find like hundreds of dollars when it's all kind of added up together. Sounds like a really good spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, and I know you you have some other stellar resources. So I don't normally ask guests this, but are there any like books, movies, podcasts, apps, anything that you think are a must for someone to listen, watch, read? What's our homework? Yeah, yeah. So um, on my blog, I've got a page uh, called Resources, and that's not necessarily saying these are the best things out there, but it's like. Well, these are the things that have resonated with me that I feel like it's made me more confident. So like the Automatic Millionaire we mentioned, that's on there. Um, I've got a podcast on there called Millionaires Unveiled. It's a, it's a lesser known podcast, but they've been doing it for about eight years. And the great thing about that is they interview all of these everyday stealth wealth millionaires. And like something that I've noticed is when they ask the question of like, what's your net worth? It's funny that a lot of times they'll kind of chuckle because they'll say, well, it was 1.5 million, then it went down, now it's, it was like 800,000, now it's back up to like, you know, a little over 1.5 again. And it's like, it's amazing, Shauna, how like hearing all these different people kind of say like, yep, it was up really high, then it dropped down low, but now it's up again. It was like, that's the kind of thing that you'll hear people say in broad brushstrokes like, right. um, you need to just set it and forget it. Don't get emotional about it. But then hearing it from multiple people, that whole assimilate piece, when I hear it from multiple people saying that they have peace with the fact that their portfolio is going up and down and they're just kind of, they're writing it out and it's all fine in the end, that really helps me kind of feel better about like, okay, I'm going to, I'm almost becoming the average of all these people just kind of hearing their story and hearing their, their money mindset that they're not getting freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, so that's a that's a good one that I would check out podcast wise. Uh, for apps, um, I like Credit Karma to just do the soft credit checks and then kind of see where I'm at from time to time. And um, I have credit cards by Chase right now, so I have the Chase app. And um, something that most I, I, a lot of people may not know about is um, you know if you pay your credit card balance mid month, I try to pay it almost weekly. Um, that helps keep your utilization ratio as low as possible. And so if you can keep, let's say you have a balance of like, or a credit limit of like $10,000, if you can go in and pay that down on your app before it goes above 10% of your utiliz- your credit utilization ratio, you know, you're going to do so much good for yourself to just boost that credit score as quickly as possible. So, you know, I go in and I, for me, it's like you want to have as little friction as possible. So having the Chase app to be able to go in and pay it easier, that really helps me a lot. And let's see, then I use Acorns for my savings, and that's kind of like to just kind of add extra money. Um, and I've got that set to the most conservative setting right now because this is my money that I'm saving for my next real estate purchase. 
And then I use Mint for just kind of tracking everything. And I like to go into that from time to time just to check all the different things that have been charged to my card and, um, and so I don't miss anything that uh, might have slipped by me. Um, some people like YNAB or, or they like a pers- uh, what's it, a personal, personal capital. Personal capital. I haven't compared those, but, um, you know, I guess I'm not like at a point where I need to find the perfect one. I just, I'm, I'm happy with Mint. It's good enough. It's free. Um, I really like Vanguard. Um, if you, oh, so my favorite movie is The Retirement Gamble by PBS Frontline. It's about oh. 50 minutes long, 53 minutes. And it came out in 2013. It is like, you will feel like you got a master's degree in personal finance when you finish this thing. And it's like, it's interesting too. And so like they have interviews with Jack Bogle and they interview the heads of different like investment banks and you start getting a sense of like, I don't know, some of these like actively managed uh, mutual fund managers just seem kind of slimy and I don't really trust them. And, and it's like all of that together was like, okay, I'm definitely going to use Vanguard for my uh, brokerage account and for my Roth IRA even though the website's pretty janky and it's not user friendly, it's like, well, you know, it's it's like, well, you get. I don't. I don't want to say you get what you pay for, but sometimes the best resources are not the ones that are flashy. the most user friendly. Yeah, yes. flashy. Yes, I got it. So, so then uh, there's a documentary um, called "Playing with Fire" that came out a few years ago, and I always tell people like. Um, it, whether you're single or you're in a couple, I love that documentary for just like showing what frugality can look like and how this couple that spent just one year of sacrifice, like how much they gained from that whole experience and how they felt so much more liberated and in control of their finances. Um, and so I, I love that one, especially if you're like, if you're in a couple and you feel like your partner maybe isn't on the same page as you. I feel like that's a really great way to have something that's just like this pop culture movie that you can watch together and then it can just kind of plant some seeds without them feeling like they're kind of um, being cornered. It's like just expose them to to these ideas um, and then hopefully they might come around to it by seeing what happened in this couple's uh, journey. Yeah. And then I have a few um, I could recommend from Netflix, a, a few like shows, series. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I love uh, their Explained series. They did a limited series for Money Explained. Right. Um, then they did, you know, kind of a, a little shout out to, you know, racial equality. Um, the Explained series also has an episode called The Racial Wealth Gap. And I think that will really help people understand, like, this is getting to the root of the disparity of wealth you know, based on race and how some people are, you know, just starting at a disadvantage. I think if people, if there's listeners out there who maybe don't understand what all the fuss is about, I think that that one episode, which I want to say it's only like 15 minutes or something that will help you like have such a deeper understanding and like a compassion for that uphill battle. Um, if, if it's something that, you know, your heart is open to. And uh, the the third series that I wanted to mention in honors of uh, in honor of Women's History Month, because um, I think that this might come out after Women's History Month, but since we're recording it during Women's History Month, uh, there's a limited series uh, called Girl Boss. Have you heard of that one, Shauna? Yes, I have. So I was a big fan of that because I mean it's based on the book, which is like a real life story of this eBay entrepreneur, and right. it's 
the executive producer, one of them is uh, Charlize Theron, who's all about like um, creating like stories, producing stories of like strong female leads who are like unapologetic. They don't have to be perfect. And like the, uh, the lead Sophia from that, um, that series. Yeah. She's, she's rough around the edges and she says some things that are like a little bit, I don't know, like insulting. And, you know, she, she could, you know, be a little bit softer with her approach, but you know, it's like, she's just, she's just doing her best to survive and to hustle and, it's really, I found it really satisfying to show all those, those ups and downs that go with like starting your own business and, and all the challenges that come with it. And that's not even because like RuPaul is her neighbor. Like that was just like a side <laughs> bonus. I just, I have so much respect for women. The fact that like, I feel like they have so many expectations put on them um, to like, you know, be mothers and have a career. And if they are, ha- if they have a career, well, they need to be driven and they need to, to be really strong, but, um, but they can't be too strong because then they'll be put down for, for, you know, being bossy, but then they can't be too nice because if they're too nice, then they're too flirty. And then they'll have all those insinuations. So it's like, I just, I hate that whole like sense of like having to be perfect. And, and so I, I love that Charlize Theron is like, she is kind of, I think, advocating for these types of roles where you don't have to be perfect and you can still come out on top in the end. And, you know, it's like you can have flawed male characters, but for some reason, I guess that's okay in society and Hollywood. And so I, I think she's doing God, God's work. And um, yeah, I'm all for it. I feel like I might be more of a feminist than some women out there sometimes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely nailed what it what it feels like to be to be a female for sure. So, um, it's I great. think it comes from being being a gay man. It's like yeah. you know what it's like to be an underdog, and so you really like appreciate you you, you root for other underdogs, and you want to see them succeed too. Yeah, I mean, preach it to us. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if you're listening right now, you need to follow Jeff on Instagram because I'm a big fan. I love everything that you put out, um, all your resources. So tell everyone listening, uh, where do they go to find you? Oh, thank you for that. Um, so my my blog, my website is homo.money. And my uh, social media handles are at homo underscore money. And uh, I have a free gift for the listeners too, if that's uh, that's okay for me to put a plug in for that. Oh, we love free gifts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just finished putting together an ebook that documents this was the journey that I went on. And I thought it might help kind of demystify like, well, what were the actual things I did? And, you know, the, people say a lot that it takes a long time to start really see that momentum grow. So you know, you can see in my story how for the first six or seven years, it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of upward mo- uh, growth on my net worth. I have all that documented with the numbers, with what I did. Um, that is uh, if you go to homo.money slash ETM for like the name of your podcast, your new branded name, that will take you to a page where you can download that for free. It's going to be in a a free advanced copy. Um, it's going to be for sale on my Etsy store, but um, it's going to be free to your listeners when they go to that link. Thank you. That is very generous. Yeah. And thank you for sharing, God, your story, your wisdom. 
uh, all your resources with us. Um, I think it's just, I mean, obviously we need to, we need to talk about all of this. So thanks for having this conversation with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your, your thoughtful questions, Shauna. I just, I love that you, you, you really listen, you really take the subjects and the topics. And I can tell that you really internalize them. You really do your research. And so, you know, I, I, I appreciate you and I celebrate you. Thank you for, I hope you keep doing what you're doing for a very long time. The amount of great money information that Jeff shared with you is pretty amazing in this episode. I hope you grabbed a piece of paper and jotted down some notes Like my personal favorite, his A squared, C squared analogy, assimilate, automate, congregate, and celebrate. I just love that. I love all of the analogies, metaphors. I'm all about it. Well, I hope Jeff's story inspired you to not let any boundaries or judgment stop you from building wealth and crafting the life you want to live. If you enjoyed this episode, I have two favors to ask. One, rate and review the show in your favorite podcast player. And two, share this episode with someone you know would love to hear Jeff's story as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Some of us are old friends. Some of us are joining us for the first time. And you're all welcome here. I'll see you back here in a few days to continue talking money.